Um, the old Arab curse is, may your children live in interesting times. Uh, so anyway, here we are. We're still in the Revelation. And according to all of my signals here, I'm live, and I'll just trust that I am. And uh, we are in the Revelation chapter 4. And I, let's see, I've come to uh, verse 5. We're in the we're in the presence of the great throne of Almighty God. It is a throne that is prepared to pour out uh, judgment on the earth dwellers. So we continue to pick up here, verse five. Out of the throne come flashes of lightning and and voices and thunderings. Now this is not like thunder and lightning such that briefly we experienced at home just a few minutes ago. This is the this is the thunder and lightning of judgment. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now we've we've studied the seven spirits of God, but this combines with this firestorm uh of, of God's righteous fury that is about to come from the holy throne. If you can just imagine the eyes of fire uh, and the, the uh, determined son of God, God the son, whose appearance is as the ancient of days, who is dressed like the king priest who he is, and this firestorm of fury is about to come forth from him, from his holy throne upon a sinful world. It's going to be poured out in the time of the tribulation. So we're, we're seeing God beginning to move into action. Church is up there in heaven, talked about that, already passed that. And when chapter 6 opens up, the fury that is building up in the throne room will be discharged and will be poured upon planet Earth. That comes in chapter 6. And so we see the these lamps. These are, these are, this is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is also filled with fire and fury. And it, his fire is associated with the thundering uh, firestorm uh, coming forth from the throne, throne of God. So now let's look at verse, uh, that was verse five. Let's look at verse six. And before the throne was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. It doesn't, now John doesn't say it was a sea. He says it's like a sea. It, it looks like a sea of glass, like crystal. Now we go back to get a, to get a clear description of what John is seeing. We go back and, uh, for example, in Exodus 24, those of you on Sunday nights when we were 
when things were a little more normal, we're going through Exodus. Moses went up with Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders, and they were in the presence of the God of Israel there on the mountain. And there's, I'm, I'm going back here to Exodus 24. Under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Now they're describing the same thing. It was crystal clear, but like sapphire. Uh, so in the presence of God, the combination of the colors that are exuding from God, in this case described as a sapphire. Now Ezekiel saw the same thing that John saw, and Ezekiel calls it the floor, or he, he, he describes what is the floor. He says there's a floor under, this is in Ezekiel 1, there's a, there's a floor under God's throne. He goes on, he says, it's the color of awesome, dazzling crystal stretched across the sky. So what we see then is at the very base of the throne of the Lord is, is heavenly crystal-like glass. It is so magnificent and magnanimous that it expands out and looks like a sea. And we've already noted that this every color of the prism is refracting from from the light of God's glory bouncing around up there with the jewels that are present. And then here's this huge crystal base coming out from before the throne of God and it's glistening and it's the pavement of crystal on which the throne of God is sitting. So this scene is the scene of the throne of the glory of Almighty God as he is about to, uh, to unleash fury from heaven, the fury of God's judgment. Now let's put this in its perspective. If you've ever studied the Revelation at all, you will know that the Son of God has the right to planet Earth Almighty God is about to unleash his judgments for the purpose being that his son will rightfully take over the earth, that which is rightfully his. And he is king of kings and uh, lord of lords. It has been man's day for a long time, but now it's going to be the Lord's day, the day of the Lord. And so the Son of God is the rightful heir to all of this. And this plays out in the time of what we call the tribulation or uh, the day of the Lord. Let's go back to the scripture here. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four Zoa, Zoa, living beings. There were four of them. Zoa. Being, Gemontav, uh, being full, uh, being swollen, being full of eyes in front and behind. So 
this 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 is indicative of the fact that these four living beings have eyes that make them aware they're not omniscient only god is omniscient but in the universe they have eyes that enable them to see with great awareness what's going on so they're very alert they have comprehensive knowledge of uh of the things that are happening in God's universe, and apparently nothing escapes the scrutiny of these uh, of these four living beings. Zool. Uh, now, and the living creature, the first living creature, the Zoan, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature having the face as of a man and the fourth living creature like an eagle flying. Ezekiel saw them also, but Ezekiel gave a more extensive description. Ezekiel saw the whole head and each of them had all four faces. But John only saw these four faces because they were going in one direction, and he didn't describe the fact that the other three faces were on the other three sides of the heads of each of these living ones, and they're called in Ezekiel, they're called cherubim. So they had four facial appearances, but John only sees one on each of the four faces. That's understandable. Uh, now, creation, God's creation, and this comes from rabbinical teachings as well, God's creation is represented is represented in those four faces. They represent the created created order of life in the world. So uh, these, when it says these are living ones, they exude with life and strength. Perhaps you've heard me speak of this before. But there were at least five originally. And we get this from Ezekiel 28. And they had a captain who fell. Their captain, who was one of the five, one of these five cherubim, uh, was in the presence of God the Son, because these four in Ezekiel are seen as as at the at the footstool, at the at the wheels, at the base of the throne of God and the fifth one was there as their captain perfect in wisdom and beauty the prophet says in Ezekiel until iniquity was found in him and he fell from his original estate and he became Satan so this very powerful creature this cherubim their captain of the cherubim uh, is Satan none other than the dragon uh, Satan himself but there are at least four more just like him. And they are attending to the things of creation according to the will of God and the movement of the Spirit, as Ezekiel describes it. And the four living creatures, one for one of them, respectively, had six wings. And within and all around, full of eyes. And they have no rest day and night, saying, 
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the one having been, the one being, and the one coming. Now this carries us back to Isaiah chapter 6, who speaks of the seraphim as having six wings. Ezekiel calls them cherubim, which means living ones. Some say it alludes to the fact that in their life they are devoted to guardianship. Talk more about that as we go along. Seraph means to burn. Seraphim means the burning ones. And they're the ones whom Isaiah mentions in Isaiah 6. So, seraphim, cherubim, whether two orders of angels or they're both describing the same one, the living ones who appear to be burning ones, they're engaged, whatever the case, they're engaged in worship. They're engaged in constant praise and in constant glorifying the Lord. It says they don't ever sleep. They don't ever stop. Everything they do uh, has has worship, is, attends to worship. Now, uh, Isaiah says that the seraphim had six wings and with two they covered their face because, because they, they defer themselves in the presence of almightiness. With two they covered their feet because they, they're standing on holy ground. But the other two, however, they used to propel themselves into duty. And, and you combine, Ezekiel talks about how very fast they were, faster than maybe even light itself. But worship is always their priority. Uh, so they have to cover themselves in this way in the presence of the Lord. But this is their eternal occupation, their eternal joy, their eternal privilege. This is what they're for, is to worship Almighty God. And they are worshiping him in time and space because, so that has to be God the Son, because he's the manifestation of Almighty God in time and space, because he is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is coming, or the one who's going to be. Well, that's, that's a reference to time. So, this is who they are. This is their uh, eternal joy. Now, beginning next, next portion here. And, and whenever the living creatures will give glory and honor and uh, thanksgiving to the one sitting upon the throne the one living to the ages of the ages, the eternal one, this is God. The 24 elders, and we talked about them, we know who they are, we talked about them last time. The 24 elders will fall before the one sitting upon the throne and they will worship the one living to the ages of the ages and they will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, the Lord and our God. I suppose you could you could say the Lord and our God or our Lord and God. 
to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. Or because of your pleasure, Thelema, the willful pleasure, it pleased God to cause these things to exist, and so he created them. It was by his pleasure, it pleased him to do so. Now let's talk about, this is, this is the worship. This, these, here is a scene of the elders joining the worship of the cherubim. All right. We know because we used the scriptures and, and we used, we used uh, thoughtful reason to reflect on the Bible, and we see this, these 24 elders, as, as the representatives of the church because of their description, the, not the least of which they have crowns. And we also know in the time frame of the, of the catching away of the church, there's, a, uh, there's the uh, judgment seat of Christ that is set up for the church in which crowns are given. And these 24 have crowns, and they're the Stephanos crown. They're the crown of victory, not the diadema crown, the diadem, which is the, king, which is the, the crown of the great king. These are victor's crowns. So they, they're overcomers. They are victors in the crowns that they have worn. But now notice here in the scripture, it says, uh, it says that they, uh, let me go back, let me scroll back up here on my text. When the living creatures, whenever they give glory, honor, and thanksgiving, to the one sitting upon the throne, the one living to the ages of ages, then the 24 elders fall before the one on the throne. Okay, so they worship the eternal one. They're wearing crowns, but these crowns, they are not preoccupied with their own excellence. They don't have any concern about their own honor or their own reward. They don't have any concern about these crowns. Here, they cast them. They cast them to the, out to the one who lives forever, that namely Christ. So these are representative of the church who have been to the Bema seat. They've been to the judgment seat of Christ. And there, we have received our rewards and the crowns of rewards are placed upon the heads of of all, and our representatives at that point are these 24 elders. And when they worship and fall down and worship the one who lives forever, they cast it back to the one who's responsible for all of it anyway. They have received the rewards that the Lord said was, was with him and that was they were his to give when he appeared and received by description whatever is involved in receiving, for example, the crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of glory, the crown of victory, uh, the, the, crown of the, the, the crown of the prophet. Uh, so they have received the gold and silver and precious stones that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 3, fitting rewards and wearing all of those rewards like crowns, and they must have been beautiful, they must be beautiful, 
But when those when this crescendo of worship begins, just after the church enters into the presence of the Lord and joins the worship of the four living ones, and consider that it's about time for the Lord himself to pour out his judgment and to regain his world and to cast out the usurper, the old devil, the dragon, Satan, they just surrender their crowns and say, you know, yours is all the glory. We don't have any glory. Yours is all the glory. Now, the angels may or may not be able to understand that, but the church, when we throw our crowns to Christ in worship, the church will understand. Now, I want to go back over here and look at... uh, It's uh, before the throne, and they say, worthy are you. Now, the Greek text is the Lord and God of us. But uh, but here, hemon is a personal pronoun, and you would translate it in English, worthy are you, our Lord and God. Now, there's that personal pronoun. Think about this. Our Lord and God. This supports the idea that this is, that included in this worship is the church. It's because this personal pronoun is in the first person in the Greek text. So the church joining with heaven's adoration celebrates God as our creator. But at the same, the eternal God is our creator, the one who made all things just because it pleased you to do so. So we can stand there having been redeemed as part of his redeemed creation and we can just glorify God because, you know, for some reason it pleased you, first of all, to make me and then secondly to save me and now to bring me up here and to put me in this kind of situation. So we're celebrating not only the fact that it's his creation, but we're also celebrating the fact that he's entering into judgment and he is going to restore his creation and bring it back to himself because we're going to see in the next chapter this title deed, this scroll sealed with seven seals. That's the title deed to creation. It belongs to God. It's given to Christ. And he step by step unrolls and unfolds that thing and step by step takes back what is his. Planet Earth. Now, he has every right to it because it's his world and now he is ready in judgment and in power to redeem it and restore it to himself. Well, that finishes that finishes uh, the Revelation chapter 4. Again, uh, my regrets for having started late We were all sitting there prepared to do this from the house and flash, bang, boom, the power went out. Didn't know how long it was going to stay. It may still be out. I don't know. So we came to church and we did it here. Um, We we want to maintain contact with you through the rest of the week and we'll, we'll, we'll try to post before we make a Bible study, any of us on staff, uh, to let you know that we're going to be on with some kind of Bible study. We hope it's meaningful to you. And it's a comfort to you during this time. And uh, tentative plans, at least from my heart, are for us to come back on May the 17th 
and resume Sunday morning worship service, which is the only thing we'll pick up with to begin with, just a Sunday morning worship service. But it'll be a great time, I hope. And that's what we look forward to. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, you are the author and finisher of our faith. You're the creator of everything. You are our creator and our redeemer. And you're the one who will bring us up into your presence and grant to us eternal life and give to us our home in heaven. And Father, we will spend eternity thanking you for that. And we marvel at how John is enabled to give to us these scenes of glory from heaven. And we know that this study will deepen as we go. And so, Father God in heaven, we just pray that you'll continue to bless us with your word. Strengthen us, Lord, keep us. Bless Shiloh, keep us from sickness and harm. Strengthen our help and bless us as we reemerge from this this time of... uh, of, of being placed in seclusion to, to, to a time of, of prosperity and health and happiness as only you can give to us. Forgive us of our sins. Bless our country. Guide our leaders as you see fit. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, thank you for, thank you for coming in on this, albeit late. And we'll try to do better next time. Can't control some things, though. All right, we'll see you.